Turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, if you would. And as you're turning there, uh, this was given to me this week, so I hope you enjoy it. A man went to the doctor. He had stomach problems for, for the last couple months, and, and he went to his doctor, and he says, Doctor, he says, uh, you know, I've been having stomach problems, and, and he said, I remember my dad kind of having the same thing. He says, is diarrhea hereditary? And the doctor looked at him, he said, well, absolutely, many times it runs in your genes. <laughs> you got that, Charlie? Runs in your genes sometimes. <laughs> You're lucky. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about rest in troubled times. You know, we are certainly living in troubled times as we look across our world today. And, you know, we see um, all the bloodshed, the violence. We see the war in Ukraine. And, and these troubled times, we need to understand that they are a foreshadow of the end times. We need to understand the times in which we live. And these troubled times are an absolute foreshadow of the end times. For the believer, the return, the, the second coming of Jesus Christ, it should be a comforting time. It should be a time of anticipation, a time that, that we have been looking forward to. But the problem is, for too many Christians, they're anxious. They're jittery today. And I want us to, to look into God's word this morning to, to be able to find rest in these troubled times. Let's look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, skip down to verse 7. And to give you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. So this morning, the first thing I want us to see is, is that God does not want us to be distressed. Don't be distressed. Right here in verse 7, he said, And to give you who are troubled. Troubled. That describes many people today, doesn't it? Maybe it describes you this morning. If so, notice what God's desire is for you. He said, To give you who are troubled, rest with us. Who's the us that he's talking about? He's talking about the body of believers. God's desire for those who are troubled is to give you rest with the rest of his children, to give you rest with us, the body of believers. You who are troubled, come rest with us. You say, but pastor, you know, these are really dark days. These, are, these days are just absolutely disheartening. They absolutely are. There's, there's no doubt about it. But for the believer, 
we need to understand that they are gloriously dark days. Why? Because the darkest time of night always comes just before the dawn of a new day. Amen? And that's what we need to understand as a believer. These dark days, they are a signal. They are a sign that Jesus' return is near. It's right on the doorstep for us. Amen? They are gloriously dark days for those who understand, those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But what about those who choose not to believe? Well, look at verse, the second part of verse 7, moving into verse 8 and 9. To give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. For those who choose not to believe in Christ, they will have just pure terror in their hearts. They won't find rest. The Lamb of God will no longer come offering grace and mercy. He is coming as the almighty judge of all with flaming fire, the Bible tells us. And that flaming fire is the fire of judgment upon those who chose to reject him. I also want you to see in, in verse 7, it says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed. It doesn't say if, amen? It says when. That is a sure thing. But we may not know the exact day. We may not know the exact hour that Jesus is going to come. But we do know that there will be a day, and one day very soon, that Jesus will come in the fullness of time. That means at the perfect moment. At the perfect time, Jesus will come. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Amen? The Son of Righteousness. And if you notice in, in Malachi, that, that S in Son, S-U-N, is capitalized. God is, is, is making an, uh, 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 an analogy here. He's comparing Jesus' return to the rising of the sun. There's two things that we know for sure about the rising of the sun. Number one is that you cannot hurry it up, can you? As much as you want it to, as much as you, you would wish it would, it's not going to happen. You cannot make it rise before it's time. Second thing we know for sure about the sunrise, not only you can't hurry it up, but you also can't stop it from coming. Amen? Cannot stop it from coming. Nothing you can do about it. You can't hurry it up. You can't stop it. And the same is true for the son of righteousness and his return. Amen? God says the son of righteousness, he shall arise with healing in his wings. The brightness of Jesus Christ will one day soon shine in the darkness of this world. Amen. Look at verse 10. Going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
says, and when he comes, when Jesus comes in that day, he's talking about the day of the Lord, in that day, to be glorified in his saints. Who are the saints? Who's a saint? We are. Every born-again believer is a saint. God is telling us here when Jesus comes in that day, he's going to be glorified in his saints through us. He's going to be glorified through us. And he's going to be admired among those who believed because our testimony among you was believed. Admired. When Jesus returns, he's going to be admired by those who believe. He's going to be admired by us. In what ways? How are we going to admire Christ? Well, first and foremost, we are going to admire his redeeming love. Amen? His redeeming love, how he took sinners selfish, rebellious sinners like us and transformed us by his unconditional love. Amen. Those of us who were living in ignorance and blindness, he opened our eyes to the light and to truth. Those of us who were seduced by lust and drugs and immorality, He cleaned us up. He made us pure. He washed us pure as as white as snow. All because of his unconditional, redeeming love. Amen? We're going to admire him for that. Secondly, we're also going to admire him because of his saving grace. Verse 10, it says, by those who believe. Not those who did good works. Not those who who gave to the poor, not those who gave money to the church, not those who were enlightened. Amen. We admire him that we've been saved only by his grace. Amen. Saved only by his grace. We simply put our faith where God put our sins. And that was square on his shoulders on Calvary's cross. Amen. Upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Amen. It's that gloriously simple. Too often, you see churches and, 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 and you know, religious organizations try to add to the gospel and convolute it and, and make it more than what it is. It is that simple. Saved by grace because of his unconditional love for us. That's it. Nothing that we can do to earn it. Bible says, whosoever believes in him shall be saved. Third reason that we're going to admire him is because of his security. All those who believe. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. Amen. He said, all those who believe, that's every single person who ever believed, all those who believe, not one will be lost, not one will lose their salvation, it's impossible. This is going to be a homecoming for every member of the family of God, amen, in that day. So God is trying to comfort us here. He's telling us, don't be distressed. No matter what the circumstances are around you, no matter how dark it is in this world, don't be distressed. There's no doubt about it. This world is upside down. It's it's unsettled. 
But we need to understand that God is still in control. You who are troubled, he says, come rest with us in Jesus Christ. He has it all in his almighty hands. Amen. Second thing I want us to see here this morning. Not only are we not to be distressed, but more importantly, in these end times, God doesn't want us to be deceived. Don't be deceived. Amen. Skip down to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that's talking about the rapture. Our gathering together to him, he's talking about when Jesus comes and raptures us, catches us up out of this world to take us into glory. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter as it is from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. Underline that in your Bible. Amen. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I first was still with you, I told you these things? Get a little background here. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means. Satan is the deceiver. Amen. He is a liar, the father of it. We need to understand that he is a counterfeiter. And, and to get a little background here, what was happening in the church at Thessalonica. Satan had, he had a, a counterfeit letter put together and sent to this church making it appear as though it was from the Apostle Paul himself. And this letter claimed that they had missed the rapture, that the rapture had already come, and that those who were left behind are left behind, that the rapture had already come, and that they were already in the tribulation period. It was a lie meant to deceive this church. Amen? So we see here that the Apostle Paul wrote this, this second letter to the church to straighten things out, to let them know what was truth from what was a lie, to let them know what was truth from what was deception. They were being deceived, and the Apostle Paul wanted to straighten them out and take them into truth. So what he does, he outlines the timeline of the end times. And that's kind of what we see here in chapter 2. In verse 3, he says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come. That day he's talking about is the second coming of Christ. Amen? He said, and that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That is the great apostasy. Are we in a time of falling away? Look at the pews around you. Amen? When you drive here on Sunday morning, how many are more worried about their front yard and, and weeding and gardening than coming to church? 
How many ball fields are, are packed with families taking their kids to play sports instead of taking them to Sunday school? How many times do you witness to people in the workplace or, or, or maybe friends or family and they just don't want to hear it? We are in the middle of that great falling away, and it started a few years ago. Amen? We are in that time of a great falling away. So he said, look, the day of the Lord cannot come unless the falling away comes first. We're in that. Amen? And then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who is the man of sin? Who is the son of perdition? It's the Antichrist. Amen? The Apostle Paul is telling us here about the Antichrist. Jesus will not return until after the Antichrist comes. Until after the Antichrist comes to power. Jesus' second coming will occur at the end of the tribulation. Amen? Not the beginning, not the middle. It's going to come at the end of the tribulation period. And the tribulation period is how long? Anybody know? Seven years. Amen? Seven years is the time of the tribulation. Now, we also need to understand that Jesus' second coming comes in two parts. The first part comes at the very beginning of the tribulation period, and that's the rapture. Jesus doesn't physically come to the earth but he comes in the clouds and he calls up the body of believers. That is known as the rapture, to be caught up, to meet Jesus in the clouds and take us into glory. After the rapture, that triggers the seven-year tribulation period. Jesus' second coming, when he physically comes to the earth, will be at the end of that seven-year tribulation period. Amen? But the tribulation starts with the rapture. I want to quickly touch on the Antichrist real, uh, for a few seconds this morning. He's called the man of sin. That's one title given to him. And that speaks of his character. Amen? History begins with the sin of man, and it ends with the man of sin. Antichrist himself. He is the epitome of evil and wickedness. He's also called the son of perdition. It means the son of judgment. Antichrist is the, the man of sin. He is the son of judgment. There's only two people in the Bible given the title of son of perdition. Antichrist, anybody know who the second is? Judas. That's right. Judas was also called the son of perdition. We need to understand the Bible tells us that Satan himself entered into Judas. He possessed Judas in order to betray Jesus Christ. And Antichrist will be giving all of Satan's power and authority. He will be the man of sin, the son of perdition, coming in the power of Satan. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13, he's also called the beast. The beast. And that refers to his, just his absolute cruel and violent nature. He is truly a beast. He will have the face of an angel, but he's going to have the heart of a cold-blooded killer. He's going to have the tongue of a poet, but he's going to have the teeth of a dragon. This is exactly who he is. He is a man of deception. He's going to appear and talk as if he has the answers to every problem, but it's all deception. 
Amen. Antichrist. The very word means instead of. Anti means instead of or against. So he is instead of Christ or against Christ. He's actually both of them put together. Antichrist. He is the absolutely against Christ, but he is also comes as the counterfeit savior instead of Christ, as a counterfeit. Just as Jesus is God in the flesh, Antichrist will be Satan in the flesh. Amen? Now, Satan's desire has always been to be Almighty God and to be worshipped as Almighty God. Amen? That was his fall, his pride. He wanted to be worshipped as Almighty God. And as we see here in verse 4, he's going to receive that worship through Antichrist. Listen to what it says. It says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He who opposes, that's anti, anti-Christ sits as God, instead of God, he's appearing as a counterfeit God, claiming to be God himself, where the Bible tells us he's going to do it right in the temple of God. Is there currently a temple in Israel right now? No. But this tells us there will be. There is going to be a real rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And it's not far-fetched. All the blueprints, they've already been out for many, many years. The exact copy of the, of the temple in the Old Testament. All of the, all of the gold uh, uh, fixtures and vessels, they've already been completed. They've already been forged. The temple is ready to go at any time. And the Bible tells us that at the midpoint of the tribulation period, remember the tribulation is seven years, so at the three and a half year period, Antichrist will enter into the rebuilt temple and he will declare that he is God and demand to be worshipped. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24. Verse 15. Jesus said, listen, he said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Daniel was speaking of the uh, desolation or the abomination of desolation. Who was he talking about? He's talking about Antichrist. Just another title given to him. The abomination of desolation. Jesus said, therefore, when you see the Antichrist, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. What is the holy place he's talking about? The rebuilt temple. He's talking about the rebuilt temple. Then going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. For that day will not come unless the falling away come first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The man of sin is revealed. Antichrist will be revealed. Could he be alive today? Absolutely. No doubt about it. He may very well be alive today, but he is veiled. 
He is covered. God has not allowed him to be revealed yet. He's just waiting for his opportunity to rise up. So why can't he just rise up whenever he wants to? Well, what's holding him back? Let's see what that, what that answer is. Look at verse 6. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. What is restraining? What is the what that's restraining Antichrist and his evil and wickedness to take over? We are the church. Amen? It's you and I, it's every single born-again believer, the body of Christ. It is the church that is holding back Antichrist and his evil and wickedness. The Bible tells us that the church will restrain him until we are removed. And when will we be removed? At the rapture. Amen? Not until the rapture will we be removed. There's a second part of this, of this restraint. Go down to verse 7. So now in verse 6, now you know what is restraining. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, notice in your Bible it's capitalized that he, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who is the he? God's Holy Spirit. That's right. God's Holy Spirit is the He. Who's in the church? God's Holy Spirit. Who are we indwelt with? God's Holy Spirit. We are the church, not this building, not these boards and nails and, and mortar and bricks. The church is every born-again believer. And who indwells every born-again believer? God's Holy Spirit. Amen? So we, the church, we restrain evil through the power of God's Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will restrain until he is taken out of the way. When does the Holy Spirit get taken out of the way? With us at what? The rapture. Amen? The Holy Spirit is indwelling us and he will be removed with us at the rapture. You see how it comes together to see how it makes sense? When we are raptured and removed from this world, so will God's Holy Spirit that abides in us. And that's when restraint will be gone in this world. Look around us. There's a lot of evil out there right now, isn't there? A lot of violence, a lot of, of, of needless bloodshed and war and, and just you know, genocide, hatred. And that's with the church still here. That's with God's Holy Spirit still among us. Imagine what it's going to be like when the church is removed and God's Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. I don't know how many of you understand that we, indwelled with God's Holy Spirit, we are restraint against evil and wickedness in this world. Amen? Remember, Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. 
Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not pre uh, prevail against his church. Why? Because we are indwelt with his power, his Holy Spirit. So the, so the Bible is telling us here that one day very soon, Jesus is going to come. He's going to remove his church at the rapture. Evil and wickedness's restraint will then be removed. God will give this world over to the Antichrist. He's going to give this world what they've been wanting. Does this world want Christians to lead them anymore? No. Not at all. Amen? So God is going to step aside and he's going to give this world what they want. An immoral world leader. He's going to give them what they want, but they are not going to like what they get. Amen? Because it's going to be Antichrist. And he's going to come to deceive. God is going to step aside. He's going to peel back his goodness and let Satan rule over all those who chose to reject Jesus Christ. And as I said, it's obvious that this world doesn't want Christians in it anyhow. Amen? They despise us. They resent us. They hate us. Why is that? Because we are the salt and the light. Think about the characteristics of salt and light. What is salt? Salt is a preservative. Amen? It's also an antiseptic. What happens when you put salt directly on a wound? It hurts, doesn't it? It burns. Amen? And this world is just one giant wound of immorality and wickedness. And when we, we as the body of Christ, we are the salt of this world. When we touch that wound with the truth of Jesus Christ, it hurts and it burns and they don't want any part of it. We're also the light of this world. Light shines in darkness. Light reveals godly things it reveals the wickedness it reveals the immorality of this world it reveals the truth of jesus christ to a dark and sinful world and they don't want to hear it because it convicts their actions amen immorality doesn't want to hear from a moral god but one day soon the bible tells us that our Lord, he's going to remove that salt and that light. He's going to step aside and stop restraining evil. And that's going to allow for the Antichrist to take over. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. Skip down to verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, another title of Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan... Remember, don't let anyone deceive you by any means. He's coming by the working of Satan with all power, signs, and what kind of wonders? Lying wonders. What are wonders? They're miracles. They're miracles. Remember, Satan is still a mighty angel. He was created as the most beautiful, most powerful angel that God ever created. But he allowed that beauty and that power to overcome him by his ego and his pride. He thought that he should be above God. 
but he's still that powerful angel. A fallen angel, but he's still a powerful angel. And he can perform miracles. But there are going to be lying signs and power and wonders. Satan, through Antichrist, he's going to perform miracles. He may even come during the tribulation period and, and, and have, the, have the, you know, the cure for cancer. We don't know. But he's going to use it to his advantage. It's not going to be for the world's benefit. He's coming with all power and signs and lying wonders. He's going to come and make you believe that up is down and that evil is good. Verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Who are those who perish? It's those who chose to reject Jesus Christ, right? Because the church was removed, so who's left in the world? Just those who chose to reject Jesus Christ. Those who are going to perish in the second death. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, the unsaved, because they did not receive the love of the truth, talking about Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Listen to what God is saying. It's very important that we understand these verses here. What is God telling us? Listen, he's saying if you choose to reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, number one, you will not be raptured. You're not going to be caught up to heaven. You're going to be left behind to suffer in the great tribulation. Many are going to believe, well, you know, some that know us, we've told them to invite them to church, we've told them about Christ, we've told them about the Bible, but they still chose to reject Christ. Many of them are going to say, well, you know, I'll just wait till then. Then I'll, then I'll believe what you said. Once I see the rapture happen, then I'll believe. The problem is you won't. And God is telling us right here why. Amen. If you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ today, God is saying that you will no longer be extended his grace. You will no longer be extended his mercy. Listen to what it says here. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, those who chose to reject Christ, because they did not receive Christ that they might be saved, And for this reason, he's talking about during the tribulation, after the rapture. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What is the lie? It's the lie of Satan, the lie of Antichrist. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All of those who willingly rejected Jesus Christ and went into the tribulation, God is saying that my grace will no longer be extended to you. You're going to believe the lie of Satan, and you will not have the opportunity to be saved anymore. God's grace ran out. Amen? 
That's why over and over God tells us time and time again, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. So what is the fate of the Antichrist and those that follow him? As I said, God is going to allow the, the tribulation period of seven years. So God is going to allow Antichrist and Satan to have reign for seven years. Seven years, the seven years of the tribulation. And the tribulation will come to an end at the battle of Armageddon. This is when Christ will return at his second coming. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That is the fate of the Antichrist. When Jesus comes at the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that he is going to destroy with the brightness of his coming. He's going to consume with the breath of his mouth. And he's talking about judgment. The Antichrist, the lawless one. So Jesus is going to come. He's going to gather up his church at the rapture to start the tribulation. And he's going to come back with his church at the end of the tribulation and begin his millennial reign. So the tribulation is going to end at the battle of Armageddon, Christ with all of us, his saints. He's going to come destroy the Antichrist. We haven't talked about the false prophet, but if you read in the book of Revelation, you'll be introduced to the false prophet. He's going to take both Antichrist and the false prophet, and they will be cast into eternal hell. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And Jesus will reign for that thousand years. That's known as the, as the millennial reign of Christ. Goodness will then be restored. Righteousness and justice will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and rule over all. And most importantly, we will rest in Jesus Christ forever. Amen.